Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Press Pause Radio. Uh, as we just arrived back from GDC, uh, we're putting together an episode that we recorded. Uh, there is a bit of a discretion that I did want to go ahead and leave for you guys. Again, being as we did have to uh, create a very makeshift studio situation, uh, it has affected the standard of audio quality that we would normally like to have produced with our audio so again the podcast is uh very much listenable but there's a little bit of mic reverb on andrew's end not enough to i would say make the podcast unlistenable but it's there and it, it does bother us so we figured we'd go ahead and just warn you guys about it other than that though uh go ahead and enjoy the show and you know after this we're gonna go back to our normal podcasting schedule and our normal fucking Please let it be normal. A delight. <laughs> we're just no, no more shows, no more trade shows, no more fucking conventions. Just like let's stay at home, guys. All right, enjoy the show. So I'm a little bit sidewind, sidewinded. I was sidewinded. Sidewinded. Uh, yeah, very, very much so. Sidewinded. Uh, flying, flying back into uh, the city from Boston, and I was incredibly relieved because I no longer was subject to the mutant weather that Boston was offering. Because apparently they were experiencing. Uh, it's normal winter. <laughs> yeah, no, they were no, they were experiencing what. Yeah, dude, don't uh, ever go to Oregon if you want mutants. I'll show you. Yeah, mutants. no, like it was like three, like thirty something, and they were just like, oh man, and sure, it's getting warm again. I'm like, fuck you. Like I couldn't <laughs> even feel my hands. It's so bad. That sounds about right. Yeah, you'll you'll get that. I mean, I, I'm Midwest, but yeah, I assume up that way, like a warm winter for them is probably when it's not single digits. Yeah, but, uh, so I fly into the city, I'm meeting up with Sean, and I'm trying to find him, oh, but he's go. getting, but he's getting lost, and it's just, uh, we're just kind of losing each other, and at some point, I'm just trying to get Sean to give me, like, more detailed, uh, description of where he's at, so he's just like, I don't know, man, I'm at this corner where some guy is just fucking playing the drums, and I'm just like, I didn't even know what to say to that, because... You know, it's if you've been to San Francisco, corner. dude, there's a guy on, like, every corner playing drums. It's San Francisco. Hey, come on, dude. I described the Ross to you, and that's pretty hard to miss. 
There was no Ross, dude. There, that was, there was totally a Ross. There that was, was an old Navy. Come on, right, that was not an old Navy. There is that an old Navy. There was no Ross. There was a Ross. You were, you were fucking the hell is a making Ross? up a Ross. Totally a Ross by the drums, dude. What is a Ross? Dress a Ro- Ross is a, a, a clothing department store. They they basically sell clothes for less and stuff. Sell clothes for less, Jesus Christ. You didn't just, just do the slogan right. You don't know what a Ross is? No. Really? I know what an old navy yeah, you guys is. Are it sounds weird, like though. you guys got like a It sounds like an old navy. <laughs> no. You guys got like a fucking Kroger's and shit. Oh god. Yeah, there's Kroger's. There's giant eagles around here. Giant imagine eagles? A, yeah, a grocery is, store. Is that a store? A grocery store. Animal? Grocery store. It's a grocery store named Giant Eagle. Giant like, Eagles. Gross. Like, guess what? You you want some food, motherfucker? Giant Eagle. Like, <laughs> just imagine that shit. Just walk into. Do that they have patriotic. a delivery service? No, I wish. Oh man. Fuck yeah, yeah, America! Here's your groceries. Yeah, but it was just I don't know. It was pretty funny, fucking flying to GDC. But man, we have a lot to talk about. You're listening to the Press Pause Radio GDC special. I. We're still alive. We we've been live, and yeah, I. Can, tell you oh oh are, i mean are we alive yeah i don't yeah, quite yeah, know yeah. yet because now the new game is to come up with offensive analogies that i can contrast with the way my body feels yeah people didn't like the wine house thing dude. no, no people didn't like no. the wine house too soon too soon <laughs> too soon no yeah. well so apparently the new one is man my body feels like 1994 nancy kerrigan's legs and the new one after that is now like Man, my back feels like 1995 Christopher Reeves everything. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Po- uh, before the horse. <laughs> yeah. So or after I think... the horse. No, it'll be after the horse. I think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I mean, what was he really doing in 95 before that? Um, I, I don't know. Suffering <laughs> a life-aging trauma that made him relevant again? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> you, had to see, you, had, you had to do something after Superman 3. Oh, God. I Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you would. I yeah. I would blame everything on Superman 3, to be honest. That's, that's a good way of thinking about it, yeah. That's a good, great way of looking at it. Let's go ahead and start the show, please. Hooray. All right. So, yeah, GDC, man. It's It's so good. And you know what? We did have... We did have a guest from there that we actually hung out with, but uh, she couldn't make it. So we got Andrew. We miss Andrew. He hasn't even hey. fucking done anything. Dude, I didn't show. do I've anything been... the last couple of weeks. Everyone's been busy working. I've been sitting here. But <laughs> it would be terrible if I went to something like, well, okay, I've, I've been to PAX East in the past, but I cannot imagine myself at GDC. I think I'd say the most unintentionally inappropriate things. Like, I'd be at GDC. I'm like, you guys know where the closest GameStop is? There is actually a GameStop down the street. Yeah, I was like right across the street. Fact, I, that's uh, what just, everybody just, did. Just, uh, just, ask, just asking all these indie-ass developers, these indie-ass indie guys, like, you guys know where the GameStop is? I need to pick up that duty. I really gotta get, <laughs> I really gotta get that duty. I, well, I need to pick I, up. I, I, I need to pre-order my GTA V. Got, man, gotta I, got, I gotta get me some new duty. Like, I gotta get that duty, man. That map pack's coming out fucking, soon, kid. That sirloin, man. That dudes. That fucking mm. dudes. Mm. So oh, man, I'm, I'm answering that Call of Duty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so no, but what, funny enough, indie or not, everybody fucking hoofed it, and I mean hoofed it. It was just like like GDC kind of went on standstill early Tuesday morning because they're just like, mm, yeah, got gotta get that Bioshock Infinite, and 
Can't blame you. Can't yeah, blame and like all of them are like it was so funny. Like there are so many people in the press room just being like, "All right, I went and bought the collector's edition," and they're just all whipping out their fucking boxes and just staring at it. They're just like, "Man, what? Why do you even go bother getting this right now?" And I just stood at them like laughing the whole time. Just I don't know. It kind of like reminds me. <laughs> oh man, it reminds. Hold in your hand. No, it reminds me of that listener who wrote in about how he liked to read instruction manuals at school mm-hmm. or take the games with him to school and just look at them. Oddly yeah. enough, that was like that was one of the listeners. Kind of that mentality. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Like that'd be torture. You're, yeah, dude, you're like you're in this fucking. You're in the Moscone in this city ass city for like a week where I'm going to assume wherever you're staying at, unless you work locally. And even then, like, Arthur Gies, dude, like, he kind of pounded out, but, like, where he wasn't at PAX East, he was pounding out the review for that and then going to GDC. Like, I don't know. A lot of game journals, it was just, it was really funny to see the divide between who fucking blew in from PAX East and who didn't. Oh, you could tell, too. You could totally tell. Because everybody that did come from PAX East, myself included, looked like a goddamn gargoyle. Yeah. And I mean, it, like, it really seems like more than ever they need to reevaluate how they're planning these like two weeks of you know of, of and I understand that Pax East and you agree with this. I know Pax East is for the you know the 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 fans. It's not necessarily for the media outlets, but the media outlets are still going to cover it. So like they have to report to both events more than likely. You and know? see, and, yeah. <laughs> just it, it, they need to figure out how they like just just. Postpone it a week or two, guys. Like you don't have to do it right around the same time, and right. then an then, irrational. Then guess what, man? Right smack dab in the middle of it. Here's Bioshock Infinite, man. You know, like, GDC ooh. plans ahead too. So why did they feel that they had to jump the gun with PAX? Yeah, the schedule's always predetermined for GDC. We already know when the next GDC will be. So it was the definitely PAX, PAX something PAX on yeah. on the coordination end at PAX East. I'm going to assume. I, but, I think it's. Uh, I, I think. I think it's the Penny Arcade guys just trying to like, just like just. Like fucking troll push, on everybody. Put no push out the media entirely. Maybe they should. Maybe it should be the only convention not being able to be covered by media whatsoever. That'd be. That would definitely be interesting. It would, I, but like, okay, and see, I had this argument. So I'm at the transistor booth with Ryan Davis and Jeff Gersman. I don't know we're random Zoom because we we both had our appointments for transistor around the same time. So we're talking to each other. They just finished their appointment, so they're just like psyching me out. And I'm explaining that, like, my irritant, like, like my irritation with uh, not being able to really get a hands-on on DuckTales conveniently. And, like, again, we've talked about this before. We're, we're incredibly lax about, like, our media privileges and, you know, how what we do with them. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not one the bitch. However, like, I did try to go out of my way to get as much as I could done. And, you know, Jeff Gersman was, like, fucking hot on the money to be like, hey, man, well, you just need to chill out because this isn't for you. It's never gonna yeah. be for you. It's for yeah. the people. And I understand that. However, because unlike any other publisher, uh, Capcom also kind of embraces that ideal, so they they don't schedule or make any appointment with media, like, at all. Like, even big media had trouble covering DuckTales. So, the big thing was that they revealed DuckTales. DuckTales was an exclusive reveal, and it was a surprise one. No one knew about it at PAX. So if you're going to use that venue to do something like that, why the fuck would you not anticipate that, of course, the media and press are going to be interested in finding out what you're doing? You're you're particularly doing a big thing. 
DuckTales ended up being the biggest game at the show. There are three games of note. Some people would argue this, but honestly, DuckTales was the game of PAX. It was <laughs> the, like, no joke. It was the game that everybody couldn't stop talking about and everybody had to get, like, crazy hands-on with. Yeah, it, uh, it's so telling of that that actual kind of convention as well. Right, yeah. and then if it wasn't that, it was fucking Dive Kick and Transistor. But we, yeah. we spent, like, the last episode talking about that. Let's get... Yeah. Mm, but, let's but get going back, yeah, so going back to that real quick. Games. Yeah, so like, honestly, though, like, Something like GDC, yeah, like you should have every right to cover everything there because, you know, it's indie guys reaching out to media outlets to cover games. It's media reaching out to indie developers to get more hands-on and get more, you know, in-depth and personal about gaming. But, like, for PAX, like, just to kind of touch on that one more time real quick, like, I, I agree. I think it should be just only for fans. Shouldn't have anything to do with media. I think if you're media and you're getting in line to get something, like, I think everyone in in line that's not media has every right to look at me straight in my face and tell me to fuck off. Like, if I'm going as media, that's the way it should be. Like, I wish more conventions would do that. But that's why we have GDC. That's why you have stuff like that. That's, you know, when I was... I mean, uh, is, is it even open to the public at all? Uh, it is, but you have to pay for it. Like, I believe... The, it's like thousands of dollars. Thousands Dude. of dollars for you to get Shit. in. It's ridiculous. Shit. There you go. And that's, that's a place to do it, then. No, like when I was waiting in line in 2011, it, like I, I had no problem waiting and letting other people go. Ahead. Oh no, absolutely, I, I, I was like that too. Yeah, I, I kind of felt bad even. Like, I didn't want to yeah. wait in line because I didn't want to take that spot away from a convention goer. Exactly. I wanted to make an appointment to where I can go into a separate area and do what I have to do because that's what we do. I felt like it, it's funny that Capcom like just had this mentality: is first come, first serve. But like, we're gonna try to get a hands-on impression. We're gonna play your game. I mean, we're just taking up a spot that somebody could, you know what I mean? I yeah. Again, I completely agree with you, Andrew, but if you're going to, like, you, you got to coincide with the evils of the fact that there are games that are showcased there as well. Like, it's not a trade show. It has trade show elements. And with that, you know, yeah. it comes a certain necessary evil. But other than that, no, I will never consider PAX a trade show. It's a fucking community gathering, an insane event. It's a representation of what the community is, absolutely. Yeah, but... Other than that, like, no, I, I got, I get what you're coming from, dog. So it's, it's some shit. But what I will, um, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? GDC. Yeah, GDC. So tell me all about it. My favorite part about GDC, honestly, that like most don't, wouldn't understand is just, yeah, it, I feel like when, when it comes to a community aspect, by the way, we didn't really finish the intros. So along with Andrew is like the two, bastards who went to GDC, uh, me, myself, and I, and Sean. And What's for the up? first time ever, I have another PPR dude just, like, fucking uh, sharing and hogging up the studio with me. Um, it's... Man, this studio's not built for two. It's fucking comfortable. <laughs> so... Hey, I, I, I'm just glad explain. to be here in PPR HQ. I, it is kind of the headquarters, isn't it? It, it is essentially our, it is uh, our headquarters. Yeah, Sean, dude, it looks like a fucking headquarters. Are you getting me? Like, with all these games in here? Like, yeah, Sean, seriously. Sean was very kind enough to say, like, your your man cave looks like a media office. I'm like, he's, like, chilling right now, and he's just like, you have a Rolodex? I'm like, yeah, how the fuck am I supposed to, my business cards? And I even got, like, because I... got I, Rolodex, bro, got I portal coasters. Like, yeah, because I don't fucking like rings on my shit, dude. Man. I hate it when people just come over here with their fucking beer and feel like, oh, I'm going to set this down anywhere. No, okay. motherfucker. Okay, dude, get ready for this. I have a glass desk, and I use coasters on it. I'm not kidding. Yeah, fuck well, you and okay. your glass desk, either. We're, we're not we're not animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. 
Yeah, dude, podcasts are, are. Well, I mean, I could be inappropriate, but I'll I'll go ahead and move on forward from here. So, no, my favorite part about GDC are the sessions. big emphasis uh this year last year was essentially an emphasis on mechanic uh, mechanical design and essentially trying to reinvent that uh this year the big theme of the sessions other than uh you know other ones there were because there's usually there's there's a thematic uh, series of them was reinventing storytelling so there were a couple of sessions out of all of these that uh i did try uh that i that i went to and i chose to write about the three i would feel the most significant ones uh, they're on the site. Uh, the ones that, like, particularly, uh, the one that really got to me was emotion in video games. Because the other two, I mean, emotion and budgeting, uh, in order to create this enthralling story were really, uh, pertinent. And granted, like, I love Jesse Shell. I really do. He's, he's such a fun guy to run into, and I do love his work on the art of video game design. But his theories, I feel, uh, in terms of it, and I wrote about it, I, I feel like they're they're just so one-dimensional in the fact that they need this component like it's a recipe, like it's missing something. Whereas the other elements that you can deride and take from are things that you can create within your own arsenal to look forward to. Like, what Jesse Shell is essentially saying is there have to be big changes that we ought to be a part of, but until then, we have to wait and then put the effort to make them happen. So... I mean, you can apply that towards medical science and technology and floating cars. Like, a lot of it was a little bit more dependent on technology than I would have liked. However, he did encapsulate, like, the concept of tragedy, which he's right. I mean, the only games that I felt like really captured tragedy were, uh, just within this recent generation alone, uh, was Heavy Rain and Mass Effect. And even then, there, was, there wasn't really a finality to it. I mean, he wanted, like, an Animal Crossing mechanic. And, you know, if you guys are familiar with Animal Crossing, like, once something's done, there's no resetting. There's no going back. It's done. So. Oh, when you said Animal Crossing, too, you just reminded me of uh, Pixel Junk Inc. No, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll oh, get I know. to that. I know. I just... But, I mean, those are those were the sessions uh, that we covered. I don't know. Um, I kind of feel like in, in what they talked about, like, there was a lot of, there was a, a, a lot of great ideas thrown around, but yeah, the sessions are generally like the best part of GDC and that's, you know, before the floor even opens, but we got to check out a lot of fresh ideas. And then uh, I think this is the GDC where like the mo the biggest collective of uh, indie developers were, because I mean, you have Doug Douglas Wilson of D good fabric is like a fucking, like he's a veteran of GDC, but I mean, alongside him, you had Terry Cavanaugh, you had Porpentine. Uh, fuck, man. Who else was there? Um, oh, the dudes behind Kentucky Route Zero, which I covered oh. their session, and I really wanted to write about it, but yes. I'm not kidding you. 
And like, it's so funny because I was comparing it to this and they mentioned it and used it in their fucking panel. I'm like, God, I knew I was on the money, but it was like a fucking Andrew Tarbarsky film. Cause like, what? Okay. Cause like th- these guys, dude, they have such an, an eclectic view of, of media and they're very big within underground filmography that, that kind of takes place with like, short films and uh fucking uh foreign films and like Andrew Tardvarsky like it basically trying to make sense of that panel and like everything that they were trying to encapsulate and what helped move Kentucky Route Zero forward was like trying to explain to somebody how Andy Warhol's artwork is significant oh good luck it's really really hard so i yeah. i really like that that just hit my intellectual wall but those guys like I predict that Kentucky Route Zero will be one of the biggest, and I mean biggest, games to slowly and gradually change the face of narrative gaming. Fantastic, good to hear because I love that game. No, they they have so much else going on. And it was it was pretty incredible. Like no joke. Um, just some of the stuff they were talking about. We got to also get in touch with Clay Entertainment, like catch their postmortem on Mark of the Ninja. It was really interesting because they were talking about experimental theories within video game design and they kind of like uh, they, they did something that was really like, it, it was just out of the ordinary for me. So, you know, I approached them during the Q&A session because they were essentially stating that you can't be afraid to do experimental theories for games. You have to try out as many different things as you can. In which then they, they then you have to find a, a tangible connection of coherency in order for, you know, there to be this correlation for this mechanic to be relevant to the game experience you're trying to provide. Are you getting to the uh, archive question that you asked? Well, right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know what I was up. What the hell? Well, what I was at, you know, it was a really incredible process. And I thought like, man, they, they shot so many, like they showcased so many different ideas that did not make it the Mark of the Ninja and Mark of the Ninja is like what made Clay Entertainment relevant again, aside from Don't Starve, which even then was good. But I mean, Mark of the Ninjas, their fucking darling star child, quite possibly like one of the most lauded games. I and mean, granted, Shank, you know, in, in terms of, I, I would see notoriety and promotional factor because it was, you know, it was heavily marketed and published by EA. I mean, other than that, like, Mark of the Ninjas, what fucking got them in the sweet spot and just hearing all these ideas that they shared was just really engrossing. And I thought to myself, like, man, I really am curious to see, like, what they would do with those ideas that didn't make it in the Mark of the Ninja. Like, I want to see and those ideas implemented in another game. Apparently, they don't do that. Apparently, if an idea doesn't work... It they just never gets... even consider it again. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's they... going in the trash and it's staying there. Yeah, they crumple it up and... Which just, makes uh... no sense at all. It's... <sighs> I just, I don't know. I don't feel like that. It was so, it kind of was kind of a letdown. I'm not judging Clay Entertainment, but like they had, they, they introduced such a forward thinking way of, of like a pretty much game jamming, uh, uh, like in a, in a professional manner, like development and then keeping it organized and whatnot. And like, I think basically what I was trying to suggest is like an idea log, like what doesn't work now could work later. And like, yeah. they had so much content that I shared. It boggled my mind that that content is completely lost to the ether of fucking game design talent. I, I kind of like that approach, though, because, I mean, it is kind of a severe, you know, like, okay, like, this didn't work, this one thing didn't really fit too well, scrap the whole thing. But it forces them to rethink things and redo things and, you know, maybe not just focus on one aspect, because 
you'll have developers and people focusing on one core idea or, or one core concept, and they'll take, you know, an eternity to get something rolled out. This forces them to kind of think and, you know, stay on their toes. I mean, it is severe, but, I mean, obviously you can tell with Mark of the Ninja, like, it, it gets results. I just want to know what the fuck the collector's edition or the special edition is going to be. Do they make any mention of that whatsoever? No. No, uh, not at all. Because, again, a lot of the sessions <laughs> are, are basically for, you know, promising developers. For, for developers, yeah. They want to get into the process. Yeah, but in terms of that, like, you know, they're, they just shared a lot of ideas development and design-wise, which, like I said, it was it was really interesting to see what didn't make it and what did. And, like, Sean wrote a piece about it in particular. But it was just it boggled my mind like that was the uh, that was the attitude that they had towards it in terms of like, I don't know. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but well, I think that actually makes sense because, you know, even if you do like. If an idea doesn't work, sometimes you might be like, tell us essentially what you're saying is like you might be too stuck on that idea. Like, OK, well, yeah, let's try for like, this. Let's try for this. Like you're almost making a game based on that one core concept or that one core mechanic. And, and that can really hurt. The mechanic, right, yep. and that's what the game... Yeah, because like, it's really that funny, I didn't even realize this, but Mark of the Ninja was supposed to be a really intensive action game. It They just, like, they kind of stumbled and started over from scratch when they realized that they liked the idea of making it more of a stealth-focused game. Yeah. But we got to see, do... like, the game in action as an action one, and yeah, <laughs> I, dude, I'm totally stoked that they went the direction they yeah. did. However... It's, it's just one of those things, like, when, when you pull away from that, and you look at it from a different perspective, you can realize, okay, this isn't the direction we want to go in. But had they been focused on that one co- core concept or that one, you know, hey, we want an action ninja game, if they would have been focused on that, they may have never even seen the possibilities of having it more based on stealth and using shadows. And, you know, a lot of things could have maybe not have ever happened if they had focused on one key thing. Or so, I mean, I, think, I, I, I made it like another game. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, it is severe, but it gets results, I think. So... I don't know, but it's crazy to think that, like, months of planning and months of development would just get scrapped, you know? Like, just like, nope, sorry, <laughs> going on to the next thing. It's insane to me, though, honestly, because, and even then, they were talking about this, too, because they were trying to, they're, they're, they're introducing these uh, design concepts because they were, they were basically statistically showing, like, the, what they were able to aggregate, like, the amount of effort in terms of man hours and, and uh, individuals on staff what games they developed within the last couple of years that used the mo- like pretty much required the most on hands work and focus. And of course, out of all of them uh, was Shank. But then as it got to Shank 2 and then, you know, Mark of the Ninja, it significantly decreased. And they're saying because we, we kind of just narrowed our focus and, and was a- we were able to basically pinpoint things that we weren't trying to do so much at, so, at you know, in such little time. So they, they kind of did that. And they were talking about how they're going to have to do this because they just they both just became new fathers. They both now can no longer dedicate like such a focused amount of time to these particular games. And they and like time management becomes like something that's so much crucial. So it just boggled my mind that, you know, given that element aside, they, they, they don't they don't fucking log anything. I would just <laughs> assume that these ideas can be can be implemented in in some other realm that that would be able to expedite something and again like I don't I don't know they like, just like lock it away don't show the other designers like don't look at this yeah, yeah like I I don't know man have like a fucking necronomicon of like game design ideas I don't know huh one day one day one <laughs> so we we hit up a lot of the sessions of the la- those are the la- those are the first couple days again I you know I can go into the details about the sessions. But I wrote, like, I, I did 
cover them within some expansive pieces that you guys can find on the site. I mean, you guys, if you have been keeping up on the coverage, I mean, it's all on the site. We decided to podcast and just like kind of just fucking bang out GDC within one podcast one week. Right. So and, and I honestly just wanted to make sure these guys were still alive, especially George. So it was good for me to check up on them. Dude, make sure they're okay. I don't fucking feel alive though. Dude, I yeah, you I need, feel you more need, alive you need some, than I should. I don't That's know. It's very good, but you guys need time to recover. Yeah, because I'll tell you right now, the last thing I feel like is fucking Geppetto's real boy. I'm just wooden and stiff, <laughs> dude. Like I'm done. And what's funny, God. we're just like. You know, Sean's over here and we wanted to, like, you know, hang out. He has one night with me before I got to take him back. Or, like, well, what can we do? So, we're, we're going to stream Battletoads after we record. Just keep on working. Fuck it, man. Don't take no downtime. <laughs> right? Keep on but doing no, well, it's, it's downtime. It, it is technically down. Oh, well, we're going to play a game that makes us hate each other, but. Uh huh. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, um, you need to eventually. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we will, but oh, let's go. That's good. Yeah, we, we pizza just arrived in the door, uh, so I mean, yeah. that's something we're going to hit up after recording. But anyway. So, first night, uh, we were able to attend the uh, IGN Indie Mixer, and we played uh, a shit ton of gun- uh, games there. Uh, Started one with Sully. I- well, right, and we didn't play Sully, though. Oh, we didn't. Oh, that's right, we didn't play it yet. Yeah, that wasn't exactly okay. a very friendly environment to play Japanese RPG, so we wisely chose to cover it a later time, which that, Sully- that piece just went up today. Yeah. So, uh, no, what we did, the first game we played that was really fucking cool that we didn't actually get to write about, I wanted to talk about it in depth on the podcast, was this app called Kuchina. And I don't remember what Kuchina roughly translates into, but me and Sean had a lot of fun with it. It's uh, Essentially, it takes this, like, Katamari, uh, like, philosophy to it, because what it is is you just control this giant-ass hole in the oh, ground. Oh, that's right. That's all with all the like, objects. And, oh, man, like... like if you can oh take God. this cartoon mentality of like what an Acme hole would do, like in a Wiley <laughs> cartoon or whatnot, once you place it on a flat surface, imagine being able to drag and drop it anywhere and then watch shit. Like if I just move it under a set of trees, all those trees will fall. So then and you can shoot them all back up again. Everything that you put in the hole, you could just like shoot back up and just like play around with it. Yeah, but there are objectives to do that. So like, for example, you need a bigger hole to get more objects. So you'll be tasked with different things. Like one of the first missions is like, get the chickens across the road. So I have to get my holes big enough to where I can get all the chickens in that hole and see the road itself, the hole will disappear. So I can't, you know what I mean? I, 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 I go under the fucking road. So what I do is I then essentially trap the chickens, have them fall into my fucking like charismatic chasm, if you will. <laughs> and then fucking do a little swipe of the fucking of the digits of my fingers and then uh, tap at the sky and shoot them back up. I don't know. It's got this really fun design, but it's it's like, honestly, it was one of the most fun non-games that I that I got the chance to play. And it, it just, it had such a, like, it was like Noby Noby Boy, but it had a little bit more depth to it. Like, I, I couldn't, I can't shake how fun it was to just sit there and fuck around with this mechanic. Dude, I totally say it's still a non-game game. Like, what do, you, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, 
there there isn't really like a a, a linearity to it. I mean, there are these fun objectives that you can have with it, but all oh, the yes. focus is really put on the mechanic of just fucking around to that hole. And honestly, the, like yeah. that casual attitude towards it, it was just like it doesn't. I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't feel like it needed anything else. It was fun to mess around with that. Like, because that's all it is. I can't describe Pachina any other way other than that it's bright, it's happy, but you're this big asshole. Dude, and the physics involved. Like, when that teepee was falling down the hole, that was hilarious. Yeah, it's it's uh, got... Fox, like... It's got, like, uh... It, it's got quite a few hilarious moments of just having fun with it. But, like, it's... It, I don't know. It's a very superficial game in the sense where it's like Nobi Nobi Boy. There's only so much you can do, but... I don't know. It's just so weird looking and like fucking spastic that like y- you don't really feel like it needs anything else. I don't know. So there is there is that game. Uh, what else did we see that night? Well, we saw a lot. Um, um, jazz, jazz punk. We did see jazz punk. I did want to talk about the fact that this GDC, uh, the big theme development wise. So the big theme among sessions was of course the storytelling, but nearly every game we we kind of touch on like most. A majority of them all focused on like local play. Hardly any of them had multiplayer play in mind. It was all local player play. And I mean, I I feel like Sports Friends kind of started that. Like the moment Sports Friends kind of came to light, it like yeah, being like a group of friends and just playing and having a good time. Yeah, like Sports Friends kind of just brought this fucking renaissance of local uh, couch play. Because there's one in particular that we had a lot of fun playing. Um, I mean, we covered a lot of them. We uh. The same way we did at the indie game uh, mega booth piece for PAX East, we also covered like the best of the IGF Pavilion for as far as the independent games festival uh, finalists for the the awards that followed later that night. We went ahead, we made sure to pick our our personal picks, like which we wanted to win in their respective categories. But like I said, we're not even there yet. We're still on Monday, and we're still in the mixer. And uh, Towerfall was one of those games and i don't know man if i could and well you know what's funny is uh i, I was writing about it and uh, i'm glad to see we're kind of on the same page but like chris plant of uh polygon uh when he played it and he checked it out he compared it like he, he was just like it's this juxtaposition of super smash brothers and fucking bushido blade and he's not too far off the, i, I kind of felt like it was fucking bubble bobble with some smash brothers fucking insanity in it but i definitely agree with bubble bobble and smash it's brothers, like yeah. it, it's like but it, it, it's more like Bubble Bobble meets Bomberman. That's exactly how I feel about it. I mean, the, the Smash Brothers elements, you're essentially in this uh, very contained arena. And as you can imagine by the namesake, you're, you're slowly descending down these levels with each round. And in each round, basically, you all start off within different uh, corners of the room. It's always four players all the time. And you have uh, a bow. That's it. Just a bow and arrows. You have three arrows. So... Once you exhaust your arrows, the only thing you can do to get more is to pick them out of the dead, you know, people you killed with them, or to pick them out of the ground or wall wherever they landed. Or you can stop on them and kill them that way. That yeah, works. that that's a really trick because it has it that's has awesome. stopping mechanics because like you can you like most people you can rely on the fact like hey if I don't have my bow and I'll have that ready ready at the grip, dude I just fucking just stomp on some dome. So, you know it, it's I don't know it, it's got this very uh, retro frenetic uh, appeal to it like it, it was definitely a game that I felt like anybody could play but it was it, it had like this frenetic en- energy and this like fucking like griefing mechanic to where like how many times have you honestly like told yourself that you were able to sit down in a living room full of people and shout and learn like shout at the people that you love and hate them with all of your heart when you played a game with them 
I mean, we're not talking about, like, fucking new Super Mario Brothers. I'm talking about, like, a competitive game. Dude, this brings me as well to uh, Samurai Gun, which a lot of other people I talked to at GDC, they completely agree that this was also one crazy-ass co-op experience. Yeah, but there, that was definitely, like, a theme among it. And with, like, Towerfall, uh, the Smash Brothers elements came through, like, two different things that I saw. You're, you're able to do, like, a fucking air dodge, so it almost made shooting your bow and arrows even harder. And there are random items, of course, that just appeared in the field. Random items would be, like, bomb arrows or wings or shit like that. But I don't know. It was definitely, like, it, it was one of those humble games that, like, just had, I don't know, it had a very clear design. Very, everything was very intentional. And everything felt sharp for the process. Like, like it has very floaty jump mechanics. But, I mean, it's all that's all done intentionally to kind of, like, move within the, uh, the, the frenetic sense of fucking kill or be killed chaos like all the stages randomly change too so like you every every round you're in a completely different stage every round there's also an instant replay of like the fucking last man standing taking out like the other dudes so just to keep in mind i mean i don't know towerfall i came away with pretty impressed um we also got in touch with the pixel junk guys they're working on new game pixel junk inc but they they kind of just talked to us about it we didn't get to see it there i mean yeah, sean wrote a piece about it i would recommend checking that out if you guys are into pixel junk well, everything we've seen so far though i mean it looks like a really promising and uh, ambitious project just the fact that they're combining a lot of elements from other pixel junk games but at the same time just doing so many new things with it like it i mean and, and like the animal crossing things i mentioned before like uh you know, where you stop, you, you turn it off. Basically, it's always on. Like, you turn off the game, and you come back. Something could be destroyed, something could have grown. Oh, right. So, that yeah, that's one mechanic that I found really uh, endearing. So, Andrew, I, you, have you heard about Pixel Junk Inc.? I haven't, no. Is that, do they know what platforms it's going to be on? Just so it's going to be Steam. Or? Oh, wow. Yeah, PC. it's, it's okay. going to be the first Pixel Junk game off of Sony. Or at least yes. at the moment, yeah. that's not their focus at all. It's it's PC, Mac, and Linux, and it's debuting on Steam. That's oh, wow. That's surprising. Totally cool. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a big co-op venture because basically what it is is it's it's run in a cloud-based world where everybody like you, you play with like up to thirty-two players, and you're essentially by the namesake you're you're building this company that's basically mining for minerals like soups <laughs> or, or other things, and you're essentially designing and building the levels as you go. Yeah. And while you're doing this, you're fighting against the natural elements. So while you're doing it during play, there there could be giant monsters or just fucking like complete disasters that that could threaten your your business and its location. So you have to build up defenses as well as you also have the ability to actively defend it should it come your way while playing. Yeah. However, um, the big draw about it is that this shit can happen when you're not playing the game. So. It really depends on like how well you construct your your business and the defenses that you set up, because yeah. I mean you can like you can set something up and leave everything be, and then play the game about two or three days later, and then depending on how good it like everything can either be destroyed and you have to fucking start over and you'd be super fucked, or you can at least like you can tell that there was a struggle that took place. Mm-hmm. See, so, that's almost why I'm kind of surprised they're doing a PC release, because I figured something like that. Especially being cloud-based, you would assume maybe go with like a PSN Vita kind of collaboration, you know, like like play it on the go on the Vita and, you know, see how you're doing and then take it home with you. Like that's, I'm surprised it's PC, but I could see it working. I just wish there was some kind of way to like incorporate it to having it on the go, whether it be like an app on your phone or a 
Yeah, well, they are doing that with like tablets though, because they're okay. making it Android as well. Cool. So like I, I played on Steam, but then also incorporate with like an iPad version. Of right. Like that. That, okay. That's like it's big. Because we asked that too. We asked them when we were cool. talking with them. We also asked like a thing that I would like to uh, personally like would be awesome is because it focuses. It has like this business kind of uh, mechanic involved where you're you're running a corporation, so to speak. And you have these, you know, you work with fellow people that are like your quote unquote employees or just like, you know, friendly, friendly individuals. I don't, I really don't know how they're oh, going to like distinguish it's all, that. It's like all robots. Yeah, it's all robots. But I mean, they're, they're active players there too. Like I yeah, said, yeah. it's very, very much so like you guys work to build something together. I, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Like what, what hierarchy, like, you know, cause everybody individually is going to have their own claim to where they have their own, you know, little spot that they would have to attend with. But. I kind of feel like the one way around that is if you were to have like an in-game friend system or some sort of like in-game server to where you, you guys operate to that capacity to where, you know, I would love like if they went that route. So that way, you know, if I had something personally going on here at the house or, you know, if I if I had something go on and say me and you and Sean were doing something like where I couldn't attend to like the the safety of our, our, our current operations, you or Sean could have. And the yeah. fact that, like, I can leave that trust in your hands, I feel like would involve, like, this even deeper mechanic. But they didn't really have yeah. any touch on that, though. Well, like, right, like, first game. Where, like, you're checking in or something like that, like a Foursquare kind of thing. Like, check into this, you know, and, like, you know, do your part, basically. Yeah, it, and like I said, Sean kind of brought up a point. It'd be like, you know, you can actually assign shifts and do something like that. Like I said, they didn't really show that many details. I would say, though, that that... It is by far, because I, I like the Pixel Junk games as far as the way they look, but there's still, like, a sense of them being slightly bland. This, like, this is by far the the most visually stunning game that they have done. Like, colors oh, on top of colors. Even like, compared to Eden? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, you should really Eden, check Eden out, like, is... we, we have some of the screenshots. Screenshots, and, teaser video. Yeah, we got the teaser video. Up on the site too, and just like, and he was explaining himself, and he was completely like, he was on the money. Like, you you can look at the screenshots, but like, in no way, shape, or form does it do a proper amount of justice. Like, yeah. fucking seeing it still as opposed to in motion. Seeing it in motion, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, just to keep in mind, I mean, we we're still covering the mixer. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, Sean got to play jazz punk. Oh geez, yeah, that was a cool so, one. So, um, and it sounds—it sounds like they actually reached out to you and actually wanted to talk about it. So, like, what is this all about? Um, well, oh lord. So, why don't I just start from the beginning? So, basically, you're in this cartoony, blocky world, and essentially, you walk into this lobby, and there's a woman who points you to an office, and you basically uh, go to take an assignment. You're a secret agent, and your first mission, after you take this random bottle of pills that this stranger just happens to hand you... It's a cheeseburger. And, and, and yeah. you just take. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's, a take it's, a che- it's a cheeseburger. Right. No, but uh, then you appear in this building, and... Dude, everything in this game just looks so hilarious. I, I, I gotta describe one thing. There, there's this box of cereal in this building. It, it's called... Uh, it, you know, it's like a communist building or some kind of like, uh, oh, geez, like, uh, you know, the communists are going to kill us all or something. But uh, Comrade Crunch and I grabbed this box. <laughs> of, yeah, yeah, I know. I grabbed this. I, I grabbed this damn box of cereal. And when I push the use button, it throws cereal. 
It throws more cereal. I do that like nine or ten times, and eventually there comes a point where it's just completely empty, and I just throw the box. And it's like every little thing that I encountered like that, like it, it allows you to interact with it just in a real. And apparently, fashion. the logic behind it was Comrade Crunch eats you, so that's like how yeah. that yeah, worked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It was so, really I mean, funny because yeah. they, kind of, they kind of like that's when we uh, the the studio behind those guys Necrophone. They they were talking about how there's a lot of serial related humor and that they that like it was a big thing for them when they developed the game. I I don't know what compelled me to but I was just like all right we, we'll throw down. So I showed them like my fucking like like my end of the world stash of monster cereal. Yeah yeah your Halloween cereal yeah I kind of figured. <laughs> yeah no they bro they. I, I think I totally changed the perspective. Yeah, that like, like you, you, you don't know, you know, lines. fuck about cereal. Exactly, but it's a very like in terms of like just how strange that game is. Like to me, when I look at that game, it kind of reminds me of like Blendo game style, like fucking uh, Spaz Rock or uh, Thirty Flights of Loving, like that that kind of style. Check that out too. Yeah, yeah, that was also very similar. Um, that was also, uh, available for an IGF, and though it's been out for a little bit, I mean, we did, uh, we did check that out, but we'll get the IGF in a bit. Um, we did get to, like, really, like, fuck around in it, and just, like, interact, like, everything is just this giant, interactive, like, first-person adventure game from, like, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to physically play it myself, but. Oh, it ran really smoothly, too, and. Yeah, it, it, it definitely has, like, this. It definitely in- got it worked out. It has this insane humor about it that kind of remind me of like Pee Wee humor, uh, Pee Wee Herman's fucking playhouse. Like if I could describe it or change it to anything, so I don't know. It's pretty so, like it's kind of on drugs, but but not supposed oh, yeah. to be. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. The, the finger you can't you can't do that on television. Yeah, there's just <laughs> oh, like God. a whole, there's like this finger that kind of remind me of a scene from You Can't Do That on Television intro, and like uh, every time you try to clock out or do something with his finger, it turned out to be like one of those. Uh, like cardboard yeah, hold-up ones. And, cardboard hold-up ones. And it ones duplicated that, each and every single every time. time. Yeah, and a it, new one each you're, time. You're kind of using like this mallet box uh, fucking uh, physics engine to like where a cartoon character can like fucking pull out something. That's the... If I could honestly compare Jazz Punk to anything, it's it's like a cartoon. It's an interactive cartoon with cartoon logic and fucking cartoon-ass visuals. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's, I, it's, What's what's the game part of it? Like, what's the objective? Is it like an adventure game? Are you it's an adventure game puzzles? where you're essentially like solving different mysteries with absolutely no narrative or direction to guide you? You're just slowly huh. just like coming upon it. That that was as much as a like I said. Sean went in detail with it. He did cover it, but uh, definitely like I think more or less like that game's mostly about the world in which you're in and the, the things you come across. Not not more or less how you move or like where the world takes you. Just being in the world in itself entirely. It was a, it was definitely an interesting game there. Um, I think the last game we can talk about, which was kind of cool, not not really like huge, but I did enjoy like the the one premise about it. We and like Sean also wrote some uh, coverage about it today. Was uh, Letter Clever? Oh yeah, Letter Clever. Letter Clever was pretty cool because it it's essentially this word search slash scramble game. So it's like it's Scrabble with word search, and like it's all very slide and touch dependent, but it's one of the few games that uses like the iOS's voice control feature, which is like a big thing for the blind, but there aren't a lot of games for it. So the game is completely customizable and and has a completely separate mode for blind people to play and effectively too. Like we we basically and we say this with the utmost respect, but we and we'll never really have a proper perspective of how that 
you know, how that hardship will apply because we're not there, but we wanted, we wanted to kind of see, well, that I should choose a better choice of words. We kind of wanted to, uh, check out like <laughs> where, you know, how, how that would apply. And we, we played it with our eyes closed the whole time and our eyes covered and the, the positioning of the letters and how they went about it, because, uh, it, it has a very diagonal sense of the word in the moment, anywhere you touch will activate some sort of audio cue to, to, to direct you. And again, with the screen, you know, essentially with, a, with a, a blind person, I'm assuming, is already familiarized to themselves with their screen to quite an extent. I mean, it's not hard before you intuitively start picking things up in, in the manners in which you're able to swipe and, and basically direct uh, connections for words against lines is really awesome. And not only that, it's uh, asymmetric. Or, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, not asymmetric, asyncratic. So, I mean, it plays like words with friends. You, you, you can just bust in and out and it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a cute, like, it's got a nice looking aesthetic, but I think that's the biggest draw, like, where these people and like, uh, the same studio also worked on another puzzle game that was also playable for the blind. I believe it's called Stem Stumper. Stem Stumper. Yeah, Stem Stumper. Stem Stumper. Okay. That was their first game, and then they now they worked on this. So that was really I didn't look inter- into that one. No, it was really interesting to see that one as well. But that was pretty much the mixer. I mean, we we played a bunch of others, but those are the ones we played in detail. Um, yeah, we played others in detail too. Like uh, we got to see it played for us, but uh, Sean also did a piece. Um, basically, those are the ones we got to play. The ones we got right. to saw, we wrote about later this week, which were uh, Lost Orbit and Sully. Sully was definitely cool. Like, like, and again, as I wrote about in that interview, like, between Dragon Fantasy Book 2 and fucking Z-Boyd, like, constantly doing something, especially with the uh, Penny Arcade, like, I think they're doing Episode 4 now. Episode 4? Yeah, yeah, like, they're... Yeah, heard about that. Yeah, and so, like, they're... They're doing that. Uh, so that was Indie Game Mixer. Then we, we really got to check out... Uh, we got to check out the IGFs, and that was fun. And we chose the best. I mean, we played a lot of other games, but uh, I don't know. I think for me personally, if I were to come away with like personal game of show uh, at the uh, at, at GDC entirely, uh, we were able to get a review copy of it too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have something up for the site soon. It was uh, Gone Home. Gone I, Home. I heard about this. Like I I heard it like was kind of moving. Yes. Yeah. It was incredibly moving. Like, in the same manner that where I was left shaken from Transistor, I just, I could not, I felt guilty almost leaving what I had done. Like, I wanted to do so much more, and it just, I, I don't know, there's so much that I felt like I, I could have accomplished. Like, and it took, yeah. it took a lot of mechanics that I, I hold near and dear from, like, Shinmu, but evolved these mechanics, like, nearly Everything in that game is interactive. I mean, everything. See, and, but, but, but whereas like you enjoy games like that because it is reminiscent of those type of games, just the idea and the concept that it gets you at that level, like that it can actually kind of reach in and actually take you know something that you didn't think a game could actually accomplish and do so. Like that's what's really interesting to me because I want that. I want that 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 emotional response. You because know what I mean? essentially, what it is is you're coming home. Like you're coming home to your strange family. And you're just essentially trying to find out where they are. And this oh, all takes man. place within this giant house. And I mean... But, 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 but are you telling the story as you play through? Like, like what you do in the game kind of tells your personal yes. story? Oh, see, so yes. like that right there. That's what really... And like, and, and, and like the manner in which they like the audio clues, like when you, when you start having this flashback, you, I don't know what it is, but the conviction within the voice acting is just... It's unreal. Like... Mm. 
it's some of the best voice acting I've heard since that of the super giant games like staff that's been working towards transistor and bastion. Like it's, it's incredible. And like, it was, it was very moving to like, I wanted to know more. I was compelled to do more and like everything that game felt so natural and organic that I really felt like I was transported. Like there was actually, there's an actual like sense of vertigo in every step that you take. Like it didn't move forward like a left for dead or like, you know, one of those static first person games. I mean, yeah. every step was like this cognizant fucking placement. Just putting like, you in propelling you forward. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like, like every, I am this person. Oh my God. I need to know about this. I like, mean, when this. you're crouching down in this game, like you're crouching down and moving around as one person you can imagine would be moving around on their knees. Like it's a very, in a sluggish manner that you move and how you can imagine like the tilt of fucking vision would be like everything about this game was. Quite honestly, like like one of the most engaging experiences yeah. that I've had. I mean, I can honestly almost imagine it. Like, I imagine like every step I take being so heavy and so weighed down by you know the the guilt you know of something that you had done or the guilt of you know what wasn't said or what wasn't done. Exactly. Like, even not even, not even playing this game, not even playing this game, I can I can sense like that's what I would feel like. Wow, that. Man, I'm, I'm gonna have to play it now. Like I, I've heard good things, but just imagining what that could be like in a game, like that's something that not a lot of people can accomplish. So we got good. to play a lot of other ones too. Like, like you said, we can go on, but like that was yeah. definitely one. Like Sean got to check. Like Sean keeps going on and on about Samurai Gun. Oh, dude, I had an amazing time with Samurai Gun, um, and I, I still don't really know what it is because to did me it up? looks like I don't think super great box. Well, let me describe it like this, like. Uh, in a couple of ways too, I, I I think I would even compare it to Towerfall, which you had a lot more hands-on time with as well. But um, you know, you're basically you have uh, four players. They start off at the corner of each screen. Um, you have a different selection of levels. Sometimes the levels are just completely open. Sometimes you have to actually use your short sword or your uh, gunshots to basically, and you only get three gunshots too. That's one thing that actually adds to the challenge. So uh, use them wisely. Um, or at least once you die, you'll get more shots. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it's just basically an all-out brawl against players. Uh, whenever somebody dies, like, the area of the screen where that particular death is occurring, everything else blacks out and zones in on that. Kind of like the old-style, <laughs> like, samurai cool. piece. And cool, it's just, cool, yeah. you, you know, it's just, like, really bloody in a sense. Just really fun, competitive, apid action. It reminded me, like, again, like George said about Towerfall, just, like, you're going to be in a room with, three other people just basically all screaming at, you know, screaming at each other, but having a good, yeah, yeah, having a good time in the process. Yeah, because there's a game kind of like that out now called Showdown Effect, but it's more based on, like, multiplayer only. Now, this sounds like more like it's, like, a cooperative experience, like, we're in the same room playing, you know, four-player beat-em-up, kind of like Smash Brothers style, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I would say that there was, uh, comparable to that again, too, but yeah, you're pretty much just kicking the crap out of each other. Uh, And, uh, Perfect party in, game. In some cases, too, uh, you could have somebody, and, and this happened a bunch, too, you could have somebody down on the bottom of the level who's basically just wasting everybody who comes in their path. So, mm-hmm. no, but I, I mean, I had, a, I had a good experience with it overall. Um, so, before we get into the IGFs as well, uh, I kind of want to hear about a game that neither me or Sean got to play this week, but I'm assuming you did. Who, me? Oh yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which one would that be? Are you fucking? Are we really? I, I, I assume. I assume it's Bioshock. But... Yeah, you motherfucker. 
I mean, do I have to really say what has been said already? I'm not very far into it so far. We um, have maybe... not heard shit other than, like, this game is life-changing. I need a it, little well, bit more than okay, so, that. So about... played, isn't it? What's that? It's like the best game you've ever played, isn't it? I, honestly, like, okay, so I'm about four hours in. The thing right. I like most about Bioshock Infinite, it feels familiar but different at the same time. And what I mean by that is the combat, like, I can tell already, even though they call it something different, when I'm using Vigors, which is essentially like what plasmids were in, in Bioshock 1 and 2, when I'm using Vigors and I'm using weapons, like it, I, I'm feeling like Bioshock 1 all over again. It's the same thing. Oh, I'm, us- yes, I'm, using, yes. I'm using electricity and I'm using my shotgun just like I did in Bioshock 1. It's the same combo. It's my same, you know, go-to weapons. But dude, and it was are. it was a good it was a good game. But I was so compared to Bioshock One, I was so disappointed with Bioshock Two. In all honesty, I'm not gonna lie. It's you know, but but then again, in, in Bioshock Infinite, they take elements of both Bioshock One and Two and incorporate into the combat in really cool ways. Like now that they have these vigors, like you, you get you know, like there, there's fire, there's electricity, um, you know, there's different kinds. But now you can press the the like L1 or whatever it is on your system. Like I'm playing on PS3, so you press L1 to you know throw it, but then you can hold down L1 to set a trap, kind of like how you could in Bioshock 2. So it really opens up the gameplay, like where you can just like spam it and just hit people with it, or if you want to set up traps and have them kind of like you know run into it, um, and you can even like how you could in you know previous Bioshock games combine vigors, like you'll combine the fire one with the, you know, murder of crows. So now they're flaming crows. You know, they're more powerful and more damaging. Sounds like, like a Grateful Dead song. It, it should be, honestly. Um, but the, the cool, like the new stuff they incorporate, I mean, obviously story is really engaging and you feel like, you know, as you're going through this world and you're experiencing it, it's telling you a story. Like, you know, the, the background of Columbia tells the story just as much as Elizabeth talking to you and telling you what's going on. Um, but, the thing I enjoy most is now that it is so big and open, as opposed to being really confined in like a, you know an underground, you know, city. And now you're in the clouds and you're on the skylines. It's so open now. Combat really is just it, it's like a playground. Like I'm using sniper rifles now, which I could never do in any of the other Bioshock games. Like combat is just like really really fun. I honestly can't remember a game where I had more fun than combat since something like bullet storm like just like finding ways of incorporating vigors and weapons to you know do the most damage like like the combat to me is the most enjoyable part of the game so far and there's really not that much combat i mean there's a lot of exposition and a lot of storytelling like in the last you know in the first couple hours of the game but i'm having a lot of fun just taking out ways of enemies like i, I want more, I want more so you're saying the story's not grabbing you in the same manner you expected it to it is but it's very like it's one of those things like it's are you, you know, are you like seeing just some familiar beats? Is that it? Yeah, because like in the previous Bioshock games, you didn't know much about the protagonist, you know, like and you kind of just learned it as you went through. And same with Booker, even though he's a voiced protagonist, like he he talks and you know is part of the dialogue and but you know part of the conversation. You're still not sure about what he is, what he does, you know, his past, why he's there. Like a lot of things that remain, you know, you kind of have to find out as you go along. And I, I'm just kind of enjoying the city. Like, I'm enjoying Columbia. I'm enjoying every chance I get to, like, incorporate in some, you know, and get in some kind of combat. Like, that's really fun to me, which I didn't think I would enjoy. I thought it'd be all about the story, about the characters, and that'd be my, like, 
the, the, the one driving force that I would enjoy the game. Like I said, I'm only about four or five hours in, so it could change completely. You know, if, if, if you know, I'm not even sure if I'm even like that far in the game. There's so much to see and so much to do. Like I don't know how far I am actually. You know, it feels like I'm, you know, progressing pretty, you know, quickly. But I could be at the very beginning for all I know. So I mean, Elizabeth, too, is it like the first time you made much of a change yet? Set foot into Rapture as well. Like when you go into. Uh... So absolutely, cool. absolutely. Like, like, like. I won't give away too much of the actual game, but like, when you have that moment of, okay, yeah, this is the first time it. you're seeing Columbia. It's just like the first time you saw Rapture. You know, you're encased in this bubble, and you just kind of like, you know, you make your, you know, as opposed to the, you know, first two, as opposed to making a descension and you're making your ascension, you know, into the sky, and you see it for the first time. It's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, you get those same feelings. Like, I, I do feel like this is like I was playing Bioshock for the first time. Like, you're still getting that same kind of feeling, this, you know, this whole new experience, uh, this whole new world that you're kind of seeing for the first time. It's, and they really do not pull punches. In terms of what they're talking about and what the story's incorporated, like, they don't pull punches. Like, there's a lot of things that, honestly, like, playing made me feel a little uncomfortable, but I appreciate that. I think it's something that, you know for that time period and for what they're talking about and what's discussed, it, it's something that you should feel a little, you know, maybe, maybe not comfortable with, but you know, I, I really think that's, we'll probably progress the story and probably make it, you know, even more, you know, of, of, of an actual experience. Like, I don't want to give away too much. I think if I say much about the story, it's going to give away a lot, but um, so far, I mean, obviously I, I didn't think it'd be a, any question, you know, I'm really enjoying it, but it's, it is worth playing, but you guys will hopefully have time to get into it once you guys get back to your, you know, home. I bought it. I fucking bought it during GDC. Yeah. I'm just like, all right, um, can't can't wait to play this. But at this point, yeah. I don't know. I, dude, after I got home and we're doing this, even then, like, I'm kind of in that mood where I just can't go wait to just like fucking go outside and throw a ball. <laughs> so like, I I, I don't know. <laughs> He's he, a timeout, you know. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, but, um, understandable. I kind of want to talk about the big, um, real quick, because I mean, there's a lot of other indie games that we played, but I mean, other than Gone Home, I think we have room to talk about like two more. But we'll get to that at the end of the show. Let's let's throw in some fucking reveals. So there's three big kind of big news points within GDC that we got to check out that I wanted to talk about for the show. Um, first one's pretty obvious, and we, we we called it, we fucking called it last year, like, at the end of the year. But as we all knew it was going to happen, the Phantom Pain is Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm I'm interested in the direction it's taken, but, like, I I kind of feel like it, at this point, it, it, it is Kojima pandering, or just trying to get so fucking nuts that he feels like he's got something going on, because, like, it just kind of feels like the premise of Phantom Pain makes everything that was done in uh, near the end of Metal Gear Solid 4 disingenuous. And, like, I don't know, that's that's the big issue with sequels that I see as of late. Like, uh, there was another sequel as of late that really made me feel like that. No, oh, fucking... I, I guess the Assassin's Creed game that's coming out. Man, like, that alone also makes everything feel disingenuous. It's like they're not even trying anymore, honestly. Well, like, I, I love the idea, and I love what's going on, but, I mean, the Metal Gear lore, you know, talk all the shit that you want on it, it's still, 
Like, I am one of those fans. I am one of those fucking otaku nerds that I, I wouldn't even care to ever fucking associate with the label, don't get me wrong. But in terms of the same intensity of compassion, and, and no judge on that label, by the way, fucking good on you. Um, I, I just can't get past the fact that I feel like at this point, I am no longer, you know, I'm not being, pan- like, I'm not being catered to, but my wallet's being pandered to. And, yeah. and I've I mean, never uh, known Konami to really fucking do that. So, I, mean, what, I, I don't, what, I really, I'm what, curious. What story can they really does. tell at this point that is going to be beneficial? Because, I mean, at least with Assassin's Creed, yeah, like, it feels like they're selling it on name alone. But I feel like 4 will have enough new elements and enough things that were good about 3 and incorporated into the game, like the, you know, the, the naval combat and things like that. But with with phantom pain like what exactly are they going to introduce or what are they going to do to make it any different i don't think they are like so what they're doing is they're taking away a lot of uh like they're they're essentially making it to where snake's almost a cripple and he can barely move and he he, like he really has to like he's almost powerless and like there's a lot of like he he has to basically survive an attack on like in a hospital where he's like i guess he's dying or or some of that nature like they're still really ambiguous towards what's going on but that bandage dude that we saw yeah and it's just like i'm almost like wondering like why like why do we need this like like why is this it you know vital to the story is it trying to write it out well what i think what it is is it's not that they're trying to write it out is i feel like kojima is experimenting with these ideas that could make for an interesting game but he's he's using this like established franchise to to basically like platform it and, and like I, I just don't understand because it, like I said, like using these mechanics, like they're interesting to me, but I want them in a completely new space. I don't. I I have already shut the book on the Metal Gear game, and then like other than Rising, Rising took a completely different direction. Rising is an exception to the rule, only because what it did felt contextual to everything that was going on, and that was a huge thing when we first played Metal Gear fucking. When we first played Metal Gear Solid 4, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, pieces of feedback is they they just wanted to be able to play as Raiden and essentially feel that, that sense of rush and power that they saw him do like with all the feats and shit that he did in Metal Gear Solid 4. And, you know, years later, in different directions, Platinum was able to bring it. And they did it, they did it hard and strong, and it, it was good. It, was, it paid off. But at that point, like, Metal Gear Solid's done. And I, I don't feel like, and like, you know, Kojima wove this tapestry of fucking narrative and nonsense, he beat it as will, you know, just to do so. And now I feel like he's kind of going back on this because he needs a platform to, to drive these new ideas that I feel like he's too afraid to apply in a completely different setting. It's, it's annoying. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like curious to look forward to more of it. But it's it was a little disingenuous. But however, um, all right. So the other two reveals that we touch real quick. I'll let Andrew choose which one he wants to hear about first. You want to hear about? I'm pretty sure I know it. Big. I'll fucking okay. Sure. Uh, do you want to hear about the uh, PlayStation 4 social functionality ideas that they have going on that they showed off at GDC, or do you want to hear about how Nintendo has quite quite honestly made uh, indie development even easier, distribution easier for each other. It was a really cool thing that I was not expecting out of Nintendo. It was actually awesome oh. because 
you can you can incorporate the Wii U gamepad in a really easy way with existing development kits. Let's go with that because there has been a release on Wii U in a while, except for Monster Hunter. So I'd like to know about anything new Wii U. <laughs> well, anything new would be great. Basically, like uh, using some uh, using different forms of Unity and other HTML development. Basically, uh, actual like HTML browsing uh, uh, games like that that it, the the equip uh, the kits that can be used to make those. Uh, you can now incorporate that and actually apply it to the Wii U, and it has a firmware that that allows you to basically flesh that out into life uh, for the eShop. So it makes it even more accessible. So, like for example, games that you'll find on like Congregate or or indie fucking IndieCade, those kind of games where that you know they're almost full fledged. Like they like pre, pre, it's not just Flash games; it's like browser games, HTML5 games. Like things that are are a part of an always online uh, infrastructure, they can now apply. Uh, like Nintendo's basically made it easy to the point where they they can actually uh, program and sell it as its own individual running game on the eShop market that they can you know that people can own and buy. So I was really surprised by that. Like I understand, and I'm and, you know that's an interesting direction to go because it's probably the most open, considering that I don't think the Wii U is very Unity friendly and the port. The porting process alone from that to the reuse infrastructure is probably a fucking pain. <laughs> so um, I'm assuming that like Nintendo kind of worked around that by the fact that you can port what you do in Unity or others into the HTML5 or otherwise Flash systems, which now Nintendo is engineering into their own infrastructure. So you kind of reverse engineer it and make it to where you can port those games over. <laughs> so like that's ultimately the way I see it. I don't see it as just a, a, a gateway. HTML5 and Flash only games with the fact that, that that's a you can reverse engineer it there and then just it essentially makes a porting process like fucking 10 times easier. Yeah. But honestly, I would just hope that Nintendo would make it to where it is, you know, like they'll promote it and, you know, feature it and, you know, make it a a, a big part of their digital service. They've been pretty good so far like I would hope because I mean, section. I mean, let's be honest, like yeah, Xbox Live indie games, which is Barely promoted and, and horribly implemented. So, I mean, yeah, I would hope Nintendo would do a little bit better. I mean, I'm glad they can make it more open, but it it doesn't help if no one knows it's there. Well, right. You know? So, okay, so are you familiar with, like, the Wii U eShop uh, UI and the structure and that? Not, not at all. Okay, so on the front page, like, it's very much, like, imagine the way, like, an iOS, uh, the the App Store is set up from Apple. Yeah. It's okay. very much like that, and and on the front page, not too far from the top, is an indie section that's constantly cycled through. However, yeah, okay. Nintendo has a very loose interpretation of what indie is, and they also don't have a large selection. So, mostly what's been there is Chasing Aurora, which we covered last year, uh, Trine, and Little Inferno, and now Bit Trip Runner 2. Oh, yeah. But, like, those games, yeah, they they are on the front page, and, like, you know... They're indie, but they're not, like, indie indie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is indie indie anymore? Like, that was a big argument uh, that was at the fucking GDC this year. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess it would need a little bit more clarification. Okay. But, yeah, yeah I mean... Hmm. Yeah, hopefully Nintendo knows how to promote it and market it right. I would hope, because... What's the point of having an indie section, you know, for up-and-coming developers and publishers... If right, like it should be a section. You can't do anything about it. Yeah, it should be specifically for that. Like right, it should be not like a specific part of the shop. It should be its own shop, like its own channel or whatever they call them on there. I don't know what they call them on that, but 
Right, it should be its own channel. It should be for any. You guys game. own Wii U's. You guys know. any kind of games that are, you know, they're just not being put out there for whatever reason, or they're just not, you know, really great games, but they're just not getting the press they deserve. Yeah, totally agree. So the Uyo is also a really big part of GDC, which uh, we got to see one in person. It's a small I, fucking thing. Like it's, I've heard, I've heard some things about this Uyo. Oh really? Did I would you, like to hear you, what you have heard. What have you just, heard? Just, just, just from initial hands-on previews, sounds like it's very sluggish, very unresponsive. Oh uh, no. No. Okay. Oh no no no! I'm saying oh no as an oh shit. Oh, I mean, but but have you guys been playing? Did you guys get a chance to play or do? We didn't get a chance no. to play it. We actually just right. got a physical demonstration from it, and it's so funny because at this point, maybe that might be the uh, that might be the clue that uh, maybe the reason why trend. they didn't let it be hands on. Yeah, because I don't, I don't I can't tell you enough how many different uh, plug and play Android consoles were pitched to us this. God, right? <laughs> there were there were on a like. And I wouldn't. I don't want to be an asshole and say an offensive amount, but a, a fucking incredibly large amount. It, it, it's just it's something that like the the market doesn't need to be fucking saturated with this. Like, dude, I I just I, I don't I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why it's all running on the same firmware. It's all running on the same operating system. There's only so much you can do to distinguish that. Like when it was Ouya, you know that's fine. But then like we, got, I got to play the game stick, and like it's interesting and it, it worked, it worked. But man, that controller is fucking dog shit. That is like the most unergonomic controller I have played. And like even then, MOBA's doing this, but MOBA's doing this on a portable outlet using additional fucking devices. We got. A MOBA like handed our way like from fucking um from PAX, and it was essentially kind of doing the same thing. Like there was no God, there was just no fucking need for it. Like I don't know. So I I haven't heard that so far. Like we we've barely heard like good things about it. Some like Ben Kuchera was at the Ouya party, and I I believe he was actually able to get his hands on one. And he was actually like able to check it out, but I, I have so far not heard that the uh, the actual infrastructure. But the way I think about it, because they did also announce the uh, the release date, and the release date was June fourth. So essentially, they got a little over a month, uh, roughly give or take, for for them to really get their shit together. And if I can only imagine like the way Nintendo handled it, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a permanent thing. However, I don't know. We could anticipate a very fucking real uh sim city event to where once it goes public it's it's not gonna be the same it's not gonna be the the same experience it was for everyone checking it out initially yeah so um the last thing i did want to go ahead and talk about was the ps4 interface and Mm -hmm. and just check that out a little bit because i got to see that a little bit in details i had to honestly read a little bit more about that. that was that was possibly like the hottest thing big game wise but we weren't at GDC for that. Um, we got to experience the pace of PlayStation 4 controller, though. It's fucking, it's big. It is. But it's really wow. ergonomic. But I mean, it's big. Like, it's PC yeah. controller big. Like, I would say where the uh, the PlayStation 3 controller had, like, that, that nice, sleek, small design that, you know, people would always laud it for over, like, what they would consider the bubbly, inflated design of the 360 controller. 
I would say that the PS4 controller is uh, bigger than the 360 controller. Looks really smooth though. Yeah, it, it's it's got like that that like that that contourness that you don't really check uh, that they don't really show in the behind angles is pretty pretty crazy looking and like the, like fucking seeing it and then applying like where your hands would be like the uh, the touchscreen's actually a lot more intuitive. On the little light imagine. up little light up feature on the back, like the color coding system to uh, determine players. Yeah, but the I don't know. I think where they cool. they bought like uh, who did Sony buy again? That streaming service. Oh God, so uh, it starts G, with a G. Like, G. Gal Galki or Gal Galki. Yeah, Gaiki. 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 Some of it. Yeah. Or Guy Jackin or Dish it bit bacon. I wish. Some I don't know. They bought some Street Fighter move, but essentially they took the Street Fighter move and they they created this like. A fairly coherent user interface with social accounts and everything, but um, like Sony's been taking notes because I'll tell you right now, what we're gonna get from the PlayStation Four is essentially Super Xbox Live. Like mm. it, that's in like I understand it's a very um, vague uh, statement and it's very fucking broad, but Almost I mean, sounds kind of scary. Honestly. Well, no. What I mean by that is right. just in the in the manner in which they segment interfaces and they apply it, and how your your social account applies to it. Like it's very much. Uh, I would oh, okay. So everything we love about life. Well, fucking okay. Ads, so like you have a user account ads. that that kind of plays a role in everything, and in, in what you do. It, it, it's kind of like Tyler fit for it too. Yeah, like and it's basically like they're kind of taking like the aspects of home. But instead of putting it in an avatar that walks around in a virtual world, you're kind of doing this from like an easy Windows 8 style tile fucking menu and just like moving into it. It's like it's a it's a huge. It's just this in like in very much every sense of the word, this online social platform and where even then, like you can get together and there are just areas like there are chat areas where you guys can just share content with other players. You can just share videos in a video space. So like. They, they kind of took cues from, like, Miiverse, in a sense. But, like, where Miiverse is very, I wouldn't say basic, but it, it's constructed in a very narrow design that emulates, like, fucking Facebook. Like, these guys are, are, are like, going to reinvent. They're, they're going to great lengths to kind of reinvent themselves into a completely unde- indefinable social network kind of experience. And I don't know. From what they're, again, this is all hearsay. But, like, like it's going to be a big fucking thing. And it's really... I don't know, it's insane that Sony's pioneering this. At this point, like, Microsoft's got to fucking put up or shut up, because that's, so far, yeah, pretty that's what we're insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's honestly, I think, what Sony's waiting on. They, they, they put out just enough to entice, but they don't want to play all their cards yet. They want to see what Xbox is going to do, and then from there, like, it's honestly, it, it, I think it's it's Sony's game to lose, honestly, at this point. I mean, they're, 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 they're making all the right moves and they're saying all the right things and not saying too much and not promising too much, but it's, it's exciting. I like that. You know how I am, man. Like the more socially interactive I can be with my gaming, the better. Like I no, want but people I mean, to know. Like, I, they, they kind of went on to detail that, you know, you'll get your pages and you'll get content you can share. Like it's, yeah. it's insane. Like how they're going about it and just like the streaming and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, even being able to share content, share you know, screenshots, because you were able to take print screens, like, certain games had that function, and then you can, like, send a message mm-hmm. with, like, you know, those screenshots, but I mean, being able to share them in real time with somebody, and do some of those things, just like that share button, it, it they, they're applying it in almost every facet of the word, like, they're, they're 
putting a huge focus on it. And I, I'm telling yeah. you right now, like, that's going to be the new thing that, like, completely redefines the next generation. Like, I'm putting my cards on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm i in the same boat. Absolutely. So, I think we've kind of reached our time. We we got we to gotta stream some fucking Battletoads. I mean, we can go on and on, but... Bad Battletoads. Honestly, good. like, like in all honesty, guys, like, if you're listening... Like these guys, and, and not even just at GDC, but PAX East, but especially GDC, these guys knocked it out of the park. Like you have no idea how proud I am of, of the people that worked on all the articles, especially Sean and, and, and George. Like just GDC, you guys knocked it out of the park. Like not saying that just as you know a person on the site, but just as a fan, someone that gets a chance to read all these articles. Like for people that can't go there and people that can't be at these, you know, these kind of events. It's really insightful. It's one of those things you get to see and hear about these things that happen that normally we would never get a chance to otherwise. So, like, you guys did an awesome job. And I'm not I'm not trying to, like, give you that, you know, that, that fellatio, that, that too, verbal too fellatio. Late, man. But yeah, I, I, too I, I, late, man. Yeah, too late. Finish up. I, 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 we'll, I got a napkin. Clean up. We'll oh, clean up. But you guys did an amazing job. And it, it's stressful. Like, anyone that's listening, I, I can only imagine how super stressful it is to do this. And, and these guys did an awesome job. So... Like, you definitely need to read their stuff. You know, they they deserve every bit of praise you can give them or, you know, reach out to them. Uh, you know, give them some comments, some feedback. Like, th- these guys did an awesome job. Everyone that works on the site did an awesome job the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, you guys, uh, it's good stuff. I, I wish I could have been there in some capacity. But, yeah, I think you guys did plenty of good work for everyone. So, I, Dude, I appreciate it because check this out. Next yeah. week at Press Pause Radio, Toast Plays all the games <laughs> that, no. that's essentially it that's that's it dude i'm smelling it out for I all like you it. guys God, right dude. now i like it I, I knew it was gonna happen eventually i knew that this this my whole lackadaisical approach to you know coverage on the site would eventually catch up with me like, shit now i gotta review all these games like guess how guess what all these games that came on march gotta play all of them <laughs> right now i have a review copy of fucking monster hunter 3 waiting for me that i don't even i don't even have the heart to open right now <laughs> it, it's it's basically it, it is monster hunter 3 it, it, it's try but with just some added stuff that's that's a review you just put that out just another, oh god wait, wait 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 just another monster hunter game is that <laughs> is that is that, yeah. is that what we're uh, rocking yeah maybe maybe that should be the tagline <laughs> oh man but no no joke like some of these things, we didn't really hit the parties, but I can I can tell you right now, something fucking stupid happened at the Notch party. I'm assuming I haven't even checked Twitter yet to, to, to ver- clarify, but uh, yeah. so, like Skrillex got fucking hyphy with somebody. Humble Bundle was cool, from what I'm hearing, and Ouya was actually quite possibly the, the more civil and fun out of the three. But uh, yeah, dude, we played a bunch of other like, dude, come check the site just because we I feel like we really couldn't talk about a whole bunch of the indie games that we really played, but like. There, there is at least just from GDC's worth. There is at least under twenty games that we played just out of GDC alone that you guys can check out, um, and look forward to. And like everything that was at the IGF, everything that was at the IGF was was really cool deal that fucking Valve made. Is that all the IGF finalists immediately uh, automatically got uh, stream greenlit? Like they're done. Like they, nice. yeah. So everything that's coming out of the IGF, you guys can check out. I mean, like. Incredipede, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, Samurai Gun, fucking Blackwell's Asylum. Like it there's so many that like we wish we could really talk about, but we got we got so much playtime with. But yeah, if you guys I think it's time it's a safe safe little stopping point for uh podcast here. 
Let's fucking let's do it up. Let's do it. Hooray. So I don't know. Normally we'd have some stupid fucking story to tell you, but that's next time. And to be honest, like I'm I'm, I'm fucking yeah. too exhausted to tell the, you. Otherwise, these guys I met a lot of break. cool people. I just kind of want to extend this again as we talk about with PAX. PAX was more or less a community event, but I mean, we got to share that exact same experience. I mean, we got to hang out with fucking Shadoshi, you know, fucking friend of the site, him and Ray Casio of EGM. Those guys were fucking rad. We made some awesome, I mean, awesome new friends over at Winnable. We've made friends with the entire site. We got together. We, we stuck our dicks all in a circle. We clapped him around, and we went, oi, oi, oi! And there we go, dude. Initiation done. You did a ziggy-zoggy? We did a ziggy-zoggy. We did. We did but yeah. instead of oh, drinking, sure. we just clapped our dicks together without hand sure. sanitizer. So, and we'll I, never mention it again. And, and uh, you know, at least beyond this. Um, but no, dude, check out like a lot of the work that they're doing on Unwinnable. Apparently, which I love, uh, there was recently, I don't know if they, from what they mentioned, I can't remember the details too much. I don't remember if it was Edge or another, uh, site. Recently they ran, uh, a piece concerning the top 40 beautiful or otherwise sexy women. Oh, the male uh, one? Huh? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, the women one. Yeah. They, didn't they do like another one like with male? No, they did. No, they did one with dudes with beards. beards. And I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the top 40. So you what? guys look out for that. God damn it. That's right. I need to grow a beard. You do. Hey, I'm I'm working on it myself, man. Sean's yeah, Sean's got a little fucking like a little respectable beard going. Good. Yeah, he's got a little doodle on his face. It's fucking great, dude. I'm not the beard apprentice. Yeah, but like if we if we didn't hang out with uh fucking unwinnable, we got to hang out with Mattia. Mattia, famous for one and one story fame, that fucking he we oh dude. We stupid party to IGF. Like, I, uh, I, like, we, we have already made it a tradition. Every time the IGF happens, we do it together because I don't, I don't know what it was, but we had like this beautiful synergy of feeding each other alcohol and doing it with such proficiency. And our table. And yeah, like, uh, it, it was, it was pretty incredible. And like, you know, we got to hang out with fucking Frank Cifaldi and Lee Alexander and like, I've already mentioned this before at the last GDC, but I I just can't, you know, you know, it's so it's very flattering that like Andrew put all all this fucking praise, but like Lee was publishing fucking pieces at her table and at I was tweeting her, yeah, I was at tweeting at her and like, how are you doing this? There's I, I don't know, like she's inhuman, but check out her work Gama Sutra and Frank's oh, work Gama Sutra, absolutely. Frank helped uh, organize and put together the fucking Video Game History Museum exhibit that he does cross-country at other events, which we also got to cover for GDC, which was incredible. We got to see shit that definitely fed into our retro souls, so you guys got to check out the work there from that piece. Uh, we ran into a lot of indie uh, developer friends, like other than Mateo, like Team 2-Bit, famous for fucking Washington's Dog, and Fist Puncher. So you guys definitely got to fucking keep a lookout on them. We're going to do some stuff with them. Like we got, we got to do a bunch of things. So you guys, thank you again for the opportunity, and thanks for the fact that, like, um, I don't know if any of you guys had a running bet, but I didn't die. So neither just, did I. That's important, Sean. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just uh, yeah, it. Ah, uh, yeah. Fuck TSA. Fuck travel. Fuck video games. I think we're done. Let's play. Let's go play Battletoads. You know what? Let's, let's go outside and throw pizza at each other. How does that sound? We don't have balls. We have pizza. 
Sounds like it'd be better than Battletoads, honestly. <laughs> well, we we can't really let that down. We got We got to get that going. All right, fucking. This is George Boy's axe. It's Sean, dude. And I didn't go GDC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and fucking. Hopefully, we'll next time, man. Uh, check yeah, us out next a, time. Press Lodge Radio. Time. Um, I'm taking a break. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta get the gotta get that new Madden. <laughs> <laughs>